I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 75 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say, buddy? You ready to go or what? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are kind of in that, you know, that lull, that summer vacation. Summer is officially here, um, but Still got NHL playoffs to talk about. You were down at the NHL Network. We had Father's Day. What's What's been going on? Yeah, so they called me to come down on Father's Day. You know, when they knew everyone else was spending time with their family, they brought the D-listers in. <laughs> they knew everyone was watching the U.S. Open or, you know, going out to eat with their, their dads. But, um yeah, like, you know, oh, we'll bring in, we'll bring in mozzarella sticks from the bullpen. He's always available. Yeah, it's a travel day. No one's going to watch anyway. Um, so we broke down the, the first two for the, games for the midnight coverage. Right. It was good though. We, um, I was with Erica Walker and she was, um, she was great. She was very easy to, to work with and very intelligent and presented well and teed me up with some easy questions. So it went really well. Um, but yeah, that the was com- the complete good. opposite of working with me. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, pros versus Joe's. exactly just amateur hour so we uh we broke down the first two games obviously colorado was up 2-0 um you know they absolutely dominated in game two seven nothing and it was just unbelievable some of the uh the plays they were making they're using their legs to you know create offense and defensively good sticks they're just you know making them make hurried plays it was just a complete uh, domination from start to finish, but we broke that down. And then, you know, game three, uh, the champs come back and, you know, steal one here. So make it a series. Now they it's play a series, great. exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's always fun to be watching hockey, good high-quality hockey, playoff Stanley Cup uh, final mm-hmm. hockey in June, you know, because they start a little later. So it's it's nice. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Speaking of the bullpen, did you see our uh... – our former guest and boy Rob Bellamy uh, sing the anthem at the at the Red Sox game last night. Absolutely, how yeah, sick my, was that? And our boy Andy Erickson, I uh, ran into him and uh, oh, he was at the game. No, he was at like um, like some golf uh, you know warehouse, and Bells was getting all decked out head to toe. He's like, I haven't That's played awesome. in a while, so he had all his all his gear. You know, oh, he life. actually, I texted with him, and he was saying that he was going down to the. Uh, What's it? The Travelers or something is this weekend? At yeah. The, the, the tournament. So he said he was going down there. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. That's and awesome. speaking of Andy, he had a uh, he made an appearance on Mont's moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're you know, in right the from, uh, from the cot shack or whatever it is. Yeah, oh, dude, I was in my element. You know, a little rain <laughs> delay. Get right in the shack. You know. I mean, uh, I love it too. Machinery. 
Oh yeah. And Andy crushing a Bud Diesel too. Just a, <laughs> you know. a true professional. Yeah. So we had a good time with the Duxbury uh, Yacht Club three day and had uh, had quite a bit of uh, mediocre golf. Let's put it that way. You know. Hey. A lot of, hey. I'm sorry about that. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> Seems to be the theme for us in these golf tournaments, huh? I, I know it's unbelievable, but a lot of fun. Uh, Meeting a lot of you know different people and different guests and stuff like that, so it was it was a good time and it was local, so we had uh, we had a ball. No, that's awesome, good stuff, and uh, yeah, I don't know if we did it, but obviously, Happy Father's Day to everyone from the from the past week. We uh, we wouldn't be here without all the all the you know Father's Day and all the dads out there that contribute so much to uh, to little Johnny's hockey experience, right? That's right. Yeah, the moms and dads, you know, sacrifice a lot to be able to raise hockey players and you know it's so much appreciated especially from you know my father he wouldn't make it all the time because he was working you know but when he was there it was very special and like I, I told you the stories of him just driving you know the speed limit or below when we're you know <laughs> 20 minutes late he's just you know hey this is what we're doing we're getting there when we get there exactly <laughs> so great hey stop getting dressed in the car yeah, that's always always <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome no yeah obviously I mean we talk about uh, big bud quite a bit on the, on the show, but we're all very lucky to have him. And, and the, you know, supporting staff, like I, I, I talk about all the time, but my, you know, uncles and things like that on, on both sides of the family, were always so, you know, helpful and stepping in and, you know, having, uh, my father coached high school hockey and, you know, had games and practices and things like that. And, uh, and then obviously my siblings playing, so he couldn't be there all the time. My mother worked full time. The two of them, it was, you know, just, just nonstop, but being able to, uh, you know, rely on, on aunts and uncles from our family as well. Uh, it was really, you know, special as a kid and, and to think back and have all those memories and the support staff that we always had around us. So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. So shout out to, uh, to all the, you know, the, the, the fathers, the uncles, the aunts that, you know, everybody that kind of steps in and helps you through and, and along your journey. That's for sure. Yeah, so were you, uh, you know, gallivanting a little bit, uh, a couple trips? Yeah, we did a. Um, what did we do? So we're actually, I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm coming via satellite down in Falmouth right now. We we booked uh, with some with some friends. Some friends rented a house, so we opted for the hotel for a couple nights, and then we were going back. We were going to leave today. This is uh, Wednesday, and they. Um, you know, they, they, they convinced us to stay another night. So hmm. here we are, we checked out, we checked out of the hotel and uh, my, my sister-in-law is like, um, you know, Brian, I got a laptop, I got AirPods. Like, what do you need? What do you need for this podcast to get it done? We can make it happen. So shout out to my sister-in-law, Jill, for hooking me up with the, uh, with the MacBook and uh, we're, we're off. So yeah, we did that. We did with town Falmouth, uh, beautiful beach. They got a beautiful little spot here in Falmouth Heights. And, uh, Monday morning we came down, we took the ferry right over to the vineyard and, um, just, you know, kids do the, they, they get, bring the bikes down, bike right to the Jaws bridge. They jump off it. The kids love it. They have a good time. And then we, uh, on the return, kind of the halfway point is this, this bar restaurant outdoor area called, uh, no man's which is just a great spot uh outdoor activities for the games cornhole all that type of fun stuff and there's a a very good bar so we just you know kind of belly up there and then hit the bikes back and and back on uh 
back, you know, back from, from the Island over in the vineyard, back to Falmouth. And we were back in time for the, for the game Monday night, the eight o'clock start. So it, it's, it's fun. The kids have a blast. It's like, I mean, I was saying to, we would, they were talking about making a dinner reservation. I'm like, you'd have to rent a hall with the amount of people here. You know what I mean? Like there's like, there's, you know, six different families, kids, everywhere you turn, there's like, you know, kids aging from like 10 to 15 years old, but there's tons of them. Everybody's having a blast playing in the pool, spike ball tournaments, wiffle ball, basketball. It's a, it's a good time having a lot of fun. That's great. Big shout out to Jill. It takes a village, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah, even for the ring shrinks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good it's good man. stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Um, the uh, Well, let's talk about the shift group real quick, Mots. Uh, the shift group is your company looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes. Are you a former college or pro athlete in any sport trying to figure out what's next? Consider a meaningful career in technology sales and let the shift group guide you every step of the way. The shift group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Reach out to them at shiftgroup.io or email them directly at jr at shiftgroup.io. Yeah, like we always talk about, you're acquiring skill sets as an athlete that you can apply um, after your career is done, you know, whether it be professional or not. You, know, you gain these skill sets that you can set yourself apart from, you know, competitors in, uh, in the technology sales field. So. Definitely check them out. Yeah, hit them up. And uh, no matter what, you don't have to just be a hockey player, that's for sure. Um, we got the street hockey mots uh, coming up August 6th. I know there's been a lot of traction. A lot of people have been reaching out. Obviously, you can hit us up. You can register uh, the ringshrinks.com. Uh, been working with the guys up at Hockey Fest. They've been great and, and really looking forward to that event. So make sure you get your teams signed up registered uh people are you know that that there's been a lot of conversation a lot of people have been reaching out asking different questions and things like that which is great so uh if you get your team together whatever it takes if you need a goalie like pass the pads whatever it may be i know we've gotten some different questions like that uh not everybody wants to commit to playing goalie in the in the middle of august but you know you usually like i say all the time my kids they all pass the pads kids you know play a period and things like that so It'll be a, a, a real fun event down in Kingston, Massachusetts, like we talked about, about 30 miles south of Boston, Mott's down in your neck of the wood, right? Yeah, it's a great uh, location. There's a, a really big parking lot. It's right in, in uh, the mall parking lot, so plenty of amenities there. We're working on a bunch of really cool stuff for all ages. And, um, yeah, there's, like you said, there's a lot of traction now. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out. We've reached out to some people. Teams are uh, going to start filling up, so make sure you get on theringshrinks.com and register now. Absolutely. Did you um, did you catch any of the uh, NHL awards? Our boy uh, Keenan Thompson from you know Mighty Ducks Knuckle Puck Time. He uh, he hosted. Did you watch any of that? I, I didn't watch. I, I saw the highlights. I didn't. Do yeah. It um, but what do you think about some of the winners? So we got. You know. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say that there was. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to to watch. Obviously, Kale McCarr. I was psyched to he, see him win the Norris uh, Shesterkin. I mean, again, I think that's Vasilevsky's trophy all the time. But he had a great season. So um, you know, it was. It was. It was, you know, the, again, no kind of real surprise there. McCarr Shesterkin. Uh, it was good to see Austin Matthews, even though he's got that filthy chest hair flopping around everywhere. Uh, 
but he, you know, he won a, won a couple trophies and which was good to see. He's obviously a, a, a special talent. Nice to see a U.S. born guy winning some, uh, you know, winning some trophies. And it shows you the growth of the game and, and you know, a, a guy from Scottsdale, Arizona going and, and you know, winning the hot trophy. And what was the other one he won? Oh, the Lindsay? Yeah. The Lindsay, right? Yeah. And so, the yeah, I don't know, right? Yeah, I didn't see who actually – I thought he won the Lindsay as well, but – I think – I know he won too. I know he won too. But Kale McCarr, I was – I thought Yossi had that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because really uh, he didn't have much to work with and he still put up, you know, amazing points, had a great year. Uh, but it's really cool to see Kale McCarr, what he's doing. I think he's in line for the Con Smythe if uh, if oh, yeah. Colorado goes on to win. Um, but Austin Matthews, you know, congrats to him, and you know he kind of has a five head, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. He's got to he's got to talk to uh, maybe Gronk's guy or something about some plugs. You know what I mean? He's definitely he, he kind of. I mean, a good dude. I know. I know. I'm not one to talk, especially <laughs> after the head. from the whiffle. I know it is coming back, but yeah. it, it was touch and go for a bit there. Yeah, I mean, the worst haircut in the league is the uh, like kind of fuzzy in between tennis ball head. Yeah, the you wet know? tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like grows just enough. You can't really comb it, but it, so it just kind of sticks out. Yeah, they, uh-huh. you, know, you had that going for a little bit, but yeah, never mind with the po- never mind with the power alleys on the side too. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, yeah. But hey, yeah, I don't know what type of look he's going for with that. Matthews it's 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 a little questionable because he's got like the, the the five head situation but he's got the flow going in the back um yeah. one more button pro- would have been good you know yeah one more button he's got the earring going too which hey I guess his father didn't rip it out of his ear you know yeah works, works for him. 60 you know mm. um exactly what do you good think point. about the award show being in the middle of the Stanley Cup finals I did find that to to be a little strange. Like those guys, obviously, I don't know what time of day that they actually recorded it, but like, you know, you figure all the guys from the Lightning and Avalanche that were there, it's in the middle of the game week. It's kind of screws up people's routines. Um, I find that to be a little weird. Yeah. I mean, and no Vegas. Right. I just think usually it's in Vegas, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it just keeps everything current, though, too. You know, like, yeah. that'd be the positive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of, a, you know, things have been backed up, you know, since the start of the season um, and to get a full season in. And, you know, I, I just think it, it is kind of cool. Those are off days. People are, you know, don't really – they're not watching a game, so they kind of tune into that and see. Because a lot of those races were very tight, and, you know, some of them could have gone either way, but – Happy for all the winners, and um, looking forward to as we record here. You know, we're a few hours away from puck drop, but um, pretty pumped to, to watch Game Four tonight. Just yeah, coach it, was, it up, coach it up. It was good to see uh, our boy Jake Tebow down there presenting the award. I think he right. uh, presented the uh, Rookie of the Year to Maurice uh, Sider. What do you think about Sider's game? Love it. Yeah, I love how like it, he wasn't on the radar for to be picked that high, but then he just came in and dominated the way yeah. he plays. He's a, he's a beast. You know, he has a mean streak. He knows he's good. He's confident, but his skill set's really, you know, his skill set backs those characteristics up. And um, the ceiling is very high for him, you know, because he's a complete player. He's a top four, 
top two defensemen and a young right-handed shot that can they can really build around. They have some young talent there, and I know um, you know Stevie Y is going to do his thing and build another cup contender in, in uh, just in short order. Yeah. Speaking of Stevie Y, I don't know when that 30 for 30 thing is coming out with uh, Colorado and Detroit, mm-hmm. but that's going to be must-see uh, must TV. Yeah, those teasers, are, they look good. You know, like oh. the, the emotion's still there even, you know, it's like almost 30 those years guys, ago. Yeah, they hate each other. <laughs> It's they unbelievable. hate each other. Yeah. They hate. What do you think? Um, I know this is way off topic, but uh, Rob Gronkowski announcing his, his retirement, do you think that's like officially official or what? I think so at this point. I mean, his body's taking a beating. Um, I'm sure he could still kind of work through some stuff, but it's very difficult. You know, like we were talking about Patrice Bergeron and, you know, the professional that he is, you know, to be able to play at that highest level with the self expectations, never mind, you know, the team expectations and fan expectations, um, that personal drive that they have and to play at that level, their body needs to be operating at a certain level. And I think that, you know, maybe he's just, his, his body has, uh, you know, kind of said no moss and waved the white flag and he made that decision, but you never know with Gronk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really never know. Uh, when, I was watching a, a, a highlights of him and most of them, I think it was like all Patriot stuff, but he was such a weapon and like probably will go down as the greatest tight end to ever play. Right. Like, like, I mean, there was some of the highlights. It was, I, I mean, I must've started online or whatever, but it was incredible. Like just dragging three and four people, his stiff arms, like stiff arm and guys and, and, you know, a third and 15, he just like Brady dumps it over to the middle of it to him. And, and he just like, it's automatic. You know what I mean? So talk about a guy that's just like a special breed and absolute beast. And what he did for the run game too. Like he was, he opened things up. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely, absolutely crazy. Uh, Did you see this going back to the, the, the Calder trophy, but uh, this was a tweet. Trevor Zegers not winning the Calder is ridiculous. Zegers did more for the sport of hockey this past year than anyone. The impact of the Zegers goal can't be measured off the ice based on how many people watched uh, replays of the goal and how many kids he inspired. What do you think about that? I mean, it's a fair statement, but I don't think it's like completely true. You know, the, the trophy is legitimately. Um, based on on-ice performance other than just flash and dash. Right, right. And I think, you know, the all-around play of Moritz Sider was, you know, more deserving. Made him worthy of winning, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, th- there is a point to be made there, but can't get upset about it, you know, so it's like, oh, hey, exactly. you tip your cap to Zegers for his creativity and growing the game the way he has just from, you know, those few, you know, extremely talented moves and, you know, you keep moving forward, but the, the hardware is, you know, handed out for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. No, and and, and like you said, um, you know, it's an individual award. It's one year, and and Sider's obviously going to be a, a great player, and as is Egress. Like, they're, they're, they're both awesome, but they can only give out one trophy, and it kind of – it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's not based on – uh, like that, like you said, the overall clicks on the internet and things like that, even though, um, you know, he copied our boy Swaggy P from the interview last week. Yeah, I know. 
Swaggy, Swaggy P. Swaggy P. That he was uh shout out to him. I know they 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 opened up the first weekend of the three ice tournament, and uh I know Swaggy was on fire. I call I saw a couple of his goals and uh that kid too that he can still bring it. Talk about the his mitts are ridiculous. Yeah, I can't wait to I, I didn't see uh, I saw a couple of the highlights, but I, I can't wait to see like a full game. I, I know didn't have to call and see if I can get on the color commentating or something. We we try and do something with uh you know some cross promotional stuff uh, with those yeah. guys. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, they see if they need a couple D listers, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do want to uh, mention um, Jason Norcross. He's uh, from California. Sent in a few uh, mailbag questions in the past, and I met him today. He's a BC guy. Um, he brought his son to the skate that I was running this morning. He's out for uh, a few weeks, but I was like, yeah, you know, we got this uh, podcast. He's like, I listen. And I, 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 I sent in the uh, bonus questions. No and way. Said, That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. Jason from uh, California. So good. Stuff. Really, really good guy. And uh, we appreciate the listen. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, would, would you say his name was Jason Norcross? Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Thanks, Jay. Uh, well, this um, this show once again has been is is being brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our good friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis, so you, uh, so you can put money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevon.com. Yeah, check out our boy Devo. He's the man. He can help you. Uh... You know, have some savings, put it into a garage like I'm doing right now. Dude, and by the way, it's coming along. Yeah, that's a that's the old 12 year plan. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. so, uh, we're going at a snail's pace, but my my boy Brian uh, from Sunrise, he's uh, picking away at it when he can, and we um, got some doors in, got some ship lap up, uh, trying to get it ready. Oh for wow, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. You know, it's pretty pumped. Oh, and we also oh. Couple more things. All uh, right, got the tractor up and running. Yeah, you know, wow. my boy Ryan from Sunrise came out, made a house visit. I got some Jeez. really, really uh, resourceful people uh, within the company. Sunrise erected. So now he he got. He's like, yeah, I just had to like you know the choke, you know, in, in, uh, increase the, the choke and all this. I'm like, I have no clue engines, but uh, I was fired up. Came home after the three day and just buzzed <laughs> the lawn. Right to the yard. Yeah, and then well, my, you were inspired too because you were in the the, the yard barn or whatever they call it. You know. Yeah, it was, but it was just so much better. Like instead of taking an hour and a half, it took like thirty five minutes. It was great. And then my neighbor here, Bill Boyd, he um he was walking around in the in the property, and he's just like, yeah, what do you say we uh, take some trees down here, there, whatever. So Courtney has some good footage of uh you know the the big crane pulling out some trees and some limbs and. You know, so Jeez. big shout out to Billy Boyd for getting that on the screen and, and booking the, uh, the the tree company. So is just a lot going on, you know. Uh, seriously, it sounds yeah. like it. Get some that's a, sun, sunlight. Yeah, that's a Father's Day that like that's right up your alley too. Know. You know, taking down trees, mowing lawns, all yeah. that good stuff. My that's, boy Brian was like, uh, I was like, hey, did I have I shown you my tractor? He's like, that's what <laughs> something dad say. 
Uh, yeah, go she thinks my tractor sexy. <laughs> go show them the 52 uh, inch deck stand behind, right? Stand behind its, its money. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm awesome. just waiting for the grass to grow right now. Like, let's go. Yeah, get out there. Stop watering it. Uh, well, what do you say, Mots? I think it's time we uh, we send it over to our boy Nate Thompson. Great interview with him. Uh, you know, NHL veteran, been in the league for almost 15 years. He played nine NHL teams, 844 games, and just an awesome interview with him. So hope you guys uh, enjoy this interview with current Philadelphia Flyer, Nate Thompson. <laughs> And our next guest on the Rink Strings podcast is a veteran of 844 NHL games. He's played – it's probably easier to list the teams that he hasn't played for than the teams that he has played for. Welcome to the show, Nate Thompson, current Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Quite the intro. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to round up to 10 this summer, so we'll see. <laughs> We were going through it. I'm like, is that? I'm like, one, two, nine? Wow. No, it's a lot. It's a it lot. It means hey, uh, teams want you, though, Tyler. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's what I keep telling myself, too. <laughs> oh, that's no, good that's, stuff. Yeah. But drafted by the Boston Bruins back in the 2003 entry draft. Um, you know, because, you know, just a little backstory that, you know, you were around Boston playing in Providence. I got to know you through some summer skates and, Always okay. a good dude. So we really appreciate you coming on on the podcast and talking some hockey with us. Yeah, of course, my pleasure. It's good to uh, good to talk to some Boston guys. I, I had a, I had a great time when I was playing and living in Boston and Providence. It was always like some of my fondest memories were there out east. So this is a uh, this is a pleasure. Oh, it's good stuff, Nate. Just walk us through. Obviously, you grew up in Alaska. Uh, walk us through like your path. How did you get involved in the game? Like when did that passion kind of start to develop? Uh, you know, to be honest, it kind of started really young. I mean, both my parents aren't from Alaska. Um, you know, my mom's family was brought up there because of oil. And my dad was brought up there because he met my mom in California. They were both going to college resident kind of thing where, and they moved up to Alaska where my mom's parents were. And, uh, honestly it was, the Alaska Seawolves. Uh, I don't know if Mati ever talked to Gomer about it, but like for us, that was, you know, the Seawolves, that was it. Like they were, they were kind of like our NHL team, you know, and, and at the time, you know, I can, I could list off every guy in the team. I was, I was, I was part of the booster club. Like that was it. So at a young age, like two, three years old, I really got into hockey. My dad got into hockey. He didn't really know much about it. And, you know, being from Alaska, you know, it's a pretty big sport. And, um, you know, started skating and playing hockey when I was about three or four years old, and the rest is history. So, yeah. Yeah, so at an early age, you mentioned your father, and you know, didn't know much about it, but got into it. Was there any real big influences that kind of helped you along the way during that early de developmental time? Um, I think, you know, both my parents had a pretty good influence on me. I think just based on work ethic, I think. You know, there was, um, for me, you know, I was – I was fortunate enough to have some really good, you know, coaches along the way that were ended up being, you know, buddies that were, you know, it was their dads or something, you know, like some of my best friends from home, their dads were my coach. And I think that was, that was really helpful. But I think, you know, learning from my parents, like the work ethic part. And I remember there being one game when I, you know, and it's 
sounds harsh, but I think it's a good lesson for kids to know is like, you know, I think I was like seven or eight years old. My, both my parents came to a game and I was like, just dogging it, you know, like not giving it my all, not really working hard. And I remember they pulled me in the car after and say, listen, like, if you don't want to do this, we're not going to pay for it. And if you want to do this, you better give it 110% always every time or we're not, we're just not going to pay for this. And that was kind of a wake up call for me at that age. I know it was young age, but it was like, okay, like I got to work hard every time I do this. I really love it, but I'm not just going to like go through the motions. And that was a big influence on me young. No, that's, that's a great a message. message. Yeah, it's a great message. And it jinx. Exactly. But you said it and, and, and we kind of get these questions a lot and it just peaked like, you know, your father, you said, never really played hockey before. Like, what was it like? What was his approach? Or like, did they did, did was he the guy that kind of just looked at, at at the coaches and let them guide you, or was he kind of you know? It's funny because we 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 try to educate people, and a lot of times yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I never played the game, but I think I know everything type of thing. Like, what was what was your father and 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 your mother's approach, I guess, to it? Yeah, he was never a guy that tried to like you know, act like he knew the game uh, when he, you know, he was born and raised in Ohio and Indiana. So like he was all basketball and then my mom is from Trinidad. So she's from the Caribbean. So like there is no hockey in either of those places. And uh, yeah, he, both of them, I mean, especially my dad, I mean, I think he, he let the coaches coach, you know, and he was always, and if there was something that, you know, and I think over the years, as he kind of learned the game and realized, you know, he's been watching me long enough, you know, he watched some practices and he watched games, you know, he knew the type of player I was. So he knew just by the naked eye, he could tell, okay, you're having, he's, at, he's having a good game or having a bad game. And it was never like a hard criticism. It was just like, you know, what did you see in that one moment of the game? When da, 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 and I said, well, I was thinking this. He's like, well, usually when you're playing at your best, you would do this. And, you know, it was kind of like a nice reminder, but it was never, there was never hard criticism. And, and he just usually let the coaches coach and he let the coaches, you know, tell him, okay, this is how I think Nate's playing. This is what he should be doing. This is what you should work on. And it, it kind of went from there. Now, did you play any other sports? You say dad and Nate, you like basketball and stuff, but growing up in Alaska. I mean, did he wrestle too? Because Indiana is like a big wrestling state. No, he was straight just basketball. He loved just basketball. A uh, yeah. Just a hooper. Yeah. He just shoots threes all day. Just, you know, <laughs> that was it. Just like, um, just like Gomer though. Gomer is a big basketball guy, isn't he? I mean, is he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fooled us. I was gonna say yeah, he, he told me he, he is. Yeah, he told us he was. He when we had him on, he you would have thought he was like uh you know Larry Bird or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. I always, <laughs> I always thought Gomer I thought we thought Gomer was a big baseball guy. I didn't know he was uh basketball, but I anyways. think I mean according to him he did it all really. Yeah, yeah so, I mean of yeah. course yeah. he did. Of course he yeah. tells me that he did it all. Multi <laughs> You name there's, it, he could have played yeah, in any league there was. I mean, you talk to him, there's not one thing he can't do, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean. He played right field in Little League and, you know, you know <laughs> was, yeah. he should have been a lefty, but he threw righty. Uh, yeah, the 12th all, man he, off the bench in hoop. And he was all-star and all-state and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, to answer your question, it was – my parents were big into – 
have me play different sports. And to be honest, I feel like at that age too, it was, and you guys can probably attest to the same thing as you, you wanted to play other sports, like depending on the season, it wasn't like, uh, all right, we're going to have hockey here. And then it's like, we're going to this camp and then you're going to this camp. And, and granted, you know, I did play some summer hockey and some summer tournaments, but when summer hit, it was like, okay, it's soccer, baseball. You know, I got really into football at one point. Um, so, I mean, I, I think for a lot of kids, and I know you guys probably see this all the time, but it's crazy. Like the one sport focus they get and they don't do anything else. And I, I think for me, I think and a lot of guys, they can probably say the same thing is you become a better athlete by playing more sports. And I think that's, that's what helped me a lot along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's something that, that, Mots and I, we talk about it all the time and just going yeah. out and being able to, to just those transferable skills that you, you acquire and also just like to develop that passion, right? Like to get away from it. It's like you, now you come back yeah, hungrier exactly. than ever, right? Like that's, exactly. that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's what I was going to say too is you, you don't get burnt out. You know, I remember going into hockey season, I was like pumped to get back to play hockey, you know, where you see a lot of these kids, they get so burnt out is because it's all they're doing all day, every day. What about, um, as far as growing up in Alaska outdoors, are you a fisherman hunter both? And I know it's, it's a great place there when the weather turns and you can get outside and do uh, some outdoor activities. What's, what's some of your favorite stuff to do? I mean, all of it. I mean, my dad's a big hunter and fisher. Uh, I, I did more hunting when I was younger. Obviously, now with with hockey, I haven't been able to do that much. But fishing, I still still love to do. And that was another thing, you know, was growing up in Alaska. Once hockey season was over, it was time to go enjoy the you know enjoy the outdoors and do all that stuff. So, um, you know, I love doing that stuff growing up. I still love doing it. I still go back in the summer. I just got back from a fishing trip, you know, here in the beginning of the month and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great place to grow up, and it was awesome to be able to do a lot of that stuff growing up. Yeah, I, I think uh, I mentioned this story, but went up to the uh, Scotty Gomez Foundation, played some golf, yeah. and went, oh, to yeah. the, went to the Kenai, but um, I just missed him, you know. But, <clears throat> I mean, he's like, you could feed your, your whole town for, you know, a month if they're running, you know, they just want to jump out of the water and on, on the line, but. You know, I was patient, and I, I did get one. I got, pulled it right out, and we cooked it right there. So it was good. Unbelievable uh, time up there. Beautiful, you know, scenery and, you know, great people. So that's a, a pretty cool, you know, experience to have, you know, in your, that natural resource in your backyard when growing up. Yeah, it is. I mean, it. I kind of take it for granted because I haven't lived at home in a long time. And when I go back, I'm like, I'm like wow, like, I'm from this place, you know, and you – you know, you go out, you know, I go on these fishing trips and I see like just how big Alaska is and how like kind of remote it is. And also it's so far away and it's so hard to get there. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I feel so lucky to be able to grow up in a place like that and, you know, just represent, you know, myself and the hockey world being from Alaska because there's not a lot of us that have come out of there. So it's a cool place to say that I'm from and I'm proud to be there, from, you know, from Alaska. No, that's great. And, and uh, I want to just ask about the, you know, like your youth hockey experience, like you said, growing up in Alaska, mm -hmm. like, was it, did you guys have to do a lot of travel? Was it tournaments or was it, you know, kind of everything local or how did that all work out? 
Yeah, we definitely had to do a lot of traveling. Um, I guess in a good and bad way, you know, we, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, a whole lot of competitive teams, uh, like club teams, I guess you could say when, you mm -hmm. know, I was growing up, there was probably only about five or six club teams. And, and the team I was on, which is, I don't know, the Alaska All-Stars, I don't know if you guys remember that team and uh, growing up. And, yep. you know, we had a pretty good team, you know, myself, um, you know, Matt Carl, Brandon Dubinsky, Tim Wallace, Joe Crab, like all those guys, we all kind of grew up playing together and we were pretty, you know, Pretty That's talented, a wagon. Pretty yeah. loaded, loaded <laughs> team, yeah. And so we had to travel to get, you know, to get our um, exposure and to get, you know, some competitive teams to play against us. So, yeah, there was a lot of traveling, whether it was we were going to, you know, uh, BC or, you know, to Boston, Minnesota, Toronto, all those places where they're kind of hockey hotbeds that tournaments for minor hockey teams. So, um, credit to my parents, uh, you know, a lot of parents. Your parents were real. Hey, they were really like, Come on, kid. You know, that, that 70 year old conversation <laughs> we talked about you working hard, that was supposed to be the end of this. Yeah, you were. <laughs> that you was were supposed, supposed to be it, dude. You were supposed to throw in the towel and just quit yeah. right there. Come on, uh, that 110% effort thing? No. <laughs> we don't want to do that all the time. I know. Now that I'm looking at the bills of the flights <laughs> and the, all the, the ice and all that stuff, I know. So, yeah, they, you know, the parents definitely sacrificed a lot for, um, you know, from for me getting on those club teams and that, you know, having to travel to all those different places to, uh, you know, to get exposure. Yeah, I was fortunate uh, to play with two of those guys, uh, Timmy Wallace and Joey Crab. Yes, yeah. And so we just we always had a good time. I love the Alaska boys. You know, get a little squirrely, but know what it takes to, to win a fifty-fifty puck battle. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I, you, you could say every Alaska guy does get a little squirrely now that I think about it. When you go down the list, every single guy does. <laughs> but I love it. That's yeah, why those Boston sure. guys and Alaska guys get along. I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, now Matt, Matt Cowell was a heck of a defenseman at Denver. and I mean, great yeah. player. Obviously, had a great career in the NHL and stuff. But I played, you know, in college, I think we were the same class. And they beat us. They knocked us out of the tournament. Um a couple of years, unfortunately, I remember that Denver trip going to the turn, but he was just a, a, a great player too. Yeah. So good. I mean, I, I and it's funny, like Maddie was one of those kids that like from the time we were like, cause we grew up, like we literally played on the same team all the way up until, you know, he left for the national program and then I stayed one more year and then I left and Maddie was always good. <laughs> I feel mm. like there was never a time where like he was like not a good player. I mean, when we were like seven, he was good. And uh, he was just, you know, like he like he was when he was seven, when he was how he was in college, when he won a Hobie Baker. And then when he was in the NHL, you know, he was always just so steady, Eddie, smooth, made yeah. the right play always at the right time. And then it was really cool for us because you know, he ended up signing in Tampa. So we got to play together in Tampa for a couple of years, which was, uh, which was pretty special, you know, both being from Alaska, playing on the same NHL team is probably one thing that might not ever have ever happened. So uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. That yeah. That's cool. unbelievable. So yeah. Could you take us back to your decision to, um, you know, play, play for Seattle versus, you know, possibly going the college route? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, at the time, looking back on it, man, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. And and at the time, probably that was that was the, the feeling. I think looking back now, it, it would probably, I think, would have worked out either way. But um, I was I was always a kid set on going to college because I grew up watching college hockey. I mean, that was for me. That was it. And 
I think it was just, and I kind of developed, I would say I was a little bit more of a later late bloomer, probably 14 to 16 range. And um, so as I got a little bit older, 16, that, that range, I started kind of taking off a little bit and started getting a lot of calls from different teams. And, you know, Seattle from the Western league was like, just so adamant on bringing me in and, and, you know, having me be, you know, be a part of their team. And I think in the end it was part of it was, uh, I love college hockey, but I didn't like school very much. <laughs> and yeah, Join the club. Plays a, big, plays a big factor. I know Keith can relate to that too. Uh, <laughs> so, That's you know, I think that was, yeah, for sure. So I think that was a big factor in it. And I think too, just being able to play so many games um, in Western league and it being kind of more of a pro style game was, um, you know, I think that was, kind of different reasons at the time and you know because i was actually set and they were not happy i actually signed a um what is it what do they call it a letter or whatever letter to no to uh to sioux city in the ushl Mm. like i was on their players list or whatever and they only give out and i backed out and went to seattle and i remember the coach dave siciano was just not happy with me (laughs) and called and called me and just ripped me out and said i would never make it and all this stuff but that's neither here nor there, but, you know, it was just one of those things that at the time um, Seattle was a, a good fit for me and it, and it ended up working out. It's not like you didn't file that away. I mean, I definitely, you know, I definitely put that yeah. in the memory bank. I'm yeah. not going to lie. That for sure was, I was, I was like, all right, okay. I'll yeah. remember that. So as a bulletin yeah. board material, like hundred percent. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys along the way had coaches say stuff to you where you're just like, okay, all right. I'll remember that. Thanks. Thanks for Absolutely. that. You know? Yeah. That's, that's great. And, um, you know, talk playing in that, like you, that WHL, like that professional kind of environment, what did that do for you in terms of like, you know, that, that transition when it did come, come time to get, to become a pro? It really taught me to grow up. I, I think when I left home at 16, 17, I didn't really know what to expect. I think I was still kind of a kid. And after that first year, I kind of realized, oh, wow, this is a, it was more of a man's game. And I had to like really grow up and mature and, you know, take care of myself. I mean, I, I look back on it now and I think about the stuff that I ate, the stuff that I, you know, what I did before games and everything. And I had to really just learn how to, you know, carry myself in a mature manner and, and be a pro. Um, I think that was the biggest, you know, learning curve for me was just trying to figure out how to manage a long season like that and be, be consistent and all those little things you kind of learn as a pro. And I think when I was in the Western league, that taught me a lot of it. That's uh, really good stuff. I mean, is that where maybe your fantasy football, um, you know, kind of started your know, love for it started to come with those long bus rides? Fantasy football. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think probably, I feel like fantasy football was fantasy football. I was going to say that was like, before the internet, when he started, yeah, league, I, feel like that, I feel like I feel like I feel like it wasn't even a thing here. there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate you thinking I'm so young, Mott. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have yeah, a I flip mean, phone and checking scores. No, I, I think I honestly think in junior, uh, his I still, cell phone I still, had I, snake on it. 
That exactly. Was I had the old Nokia. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think in junior, we actually had, I actually had the, I had a CD player that I would listen to and I had yeah. brought, I had to bring like a beer. Remember like a big book of CDs, you know, for the yeah. oh, yeah. rides. That's it. all I had. It definitely wasn't fantasy football going on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's was, classic. Yeah. How times yeah. have changed, right? From, from oh. you know, 15, 20 years ago to, to, you know, like you just said, CDs, like my kids would, they have no idea what any of that stuff is. You know no, what I mean? It's you look it's at a crazy. CD player, you look at a CD player in a ca- in a car, and they're like, "What does that do?" Like they don't have a they don't have a clue. No, it's wild. It's wild the technology, but it's wild that the like kids like my son, seven years old, and like he grabs an iPad and he's just like, you know what I mean, like going through it like it's nothing. And I'm like, it's just wild. It's a to- just totally different generation, that's for sure. Yeah, my daughter Is put your, uh, uh, one of those flashes on when it like a message comes up. And like I don't know how to get it off, you know. So it's like she goes into settings, goes in whatever. So I'm like, oh, it, it's like I'm having a stroke every time I get a, a message. Hey, you still don't reply though. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. The thing puts out an Amber Alert, but you're still not replying. Ah, it's <laughs> no, good. I'll get back to it later. Yeah, I'll check in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you talked about your, your your son being seven. Keith was telling me that uh, this year he was in, you know involved in the locker room down in in Minnesota and everything. Like he, you said, the experience that he had to be a part of it with you and your boy was amazing. Like in the locker room and all that stuff. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, he he's been in a few locker rooms, obviously already. Uh, with yeah. How many times I've changed cities, but. Um, he loves it though. I mean, but this was actually the first time I got to bring him on the ice and, you know, like skate with us. And it was just incredible. I mean, for me, I, I was more excited than he was, I think, just because I me, mean, you know, I, I think, I don't think at that age, they really understand what's going on. And hopefully that, you know, later down the road, he'll, he'll understand how you know special it is to be able to do that. But yeah, it was great. You know, be able to, he, you know, he sat in the meetings and just kind of listened and, uh, you know, joke heard a couple, boys. heard a couple, couple oh, swear yeah. words that he, 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 he heard, he heard, he heard more, <laughs> he heard more than a few, but I kind of, I kind of <laughs> let, I've, I've let him know, I've, I've let him know at a young age, like, hey, buddy, like what you hear in the locker room, you don't ever repeat it. And that's what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. He's okay, <laughs> okay, you know, so hopefully, life, lessons, stick, right there. life, life lessons. Hopefully, he sticks to that. But, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, to be able to bring him on the ice and, you know, he, he just wants to hang out with the boys. That's all he cares about. Um, you know, it was funny. We were leaving practice and he like, he was sitting, he was sitting with Carter Hart in the bus and he's like, Hey, well, uh, what are you doing for dinner tonight? If you want to come to dinner with us, like, you know, <laughs> like, buddy, like these guys have plans. You know, I don't know if they want to you know, go to dinner with us tonight, but yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was hey, we're going to hit up cool Chuck experience. E. Cheese. Hey, hey, Kyle, <laughs> yeah. we're going to hit up Chuck E. Cheese if you're up, if you're up for it, dude. I know, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, he takes after dad, you know, just hanging with the boys. and Just wants to be with the boys. I mean, that's that's why I keep playing. It's just all about the boys. That's it. <laughs> I think my son was around the same age. I was up with the Toronto Marlies, and I got off the uh, ice, and he was in the cold tub, bad pickle, you know. And just <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. And then, you know, he's getting in the... <laughs> the steamer and just hopping in the shower. Uh, 
this is like unbelievable. Talk <laughs> yeah, about a life, serious, right? serious shrinkage. <laughs> <laughs> rake uh, uh, yeah literally rink shrink yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old dink rink yeah. dink shrink oh that's awesome uh we'll talk about the, the 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 draft and everything going into it like where were you where did you see yourself like was it the the high expectations what, what, what was that process like it was uh it was a really stressful process for me and i, I think because i took it too seriously i was thinking about it i was looking at the lists you know the year before because the year before my draft year i had a real good rookie year in the western league and and ended up getting invited to world junior camp that summer um you know did make the team but you know obviously going into my draft year being invited <clears throat> to rookie camp or being invited to world junior camp at a, at a, as an underager beginning of the year they ranked me in the first round which was like the worst thing ever to happen right and it like my my play that year my drafter just kind of went like this and um yeah and I, I think i just took it way too seriously you know i i was too concerned about what round i was going to get drafted in and you know where i was on the the list and all that stuff the rankings they do throughout the season and uh, i ended up having a pretty good playoffs and you know i was projected to go like i think third fourth round and ended up going the sixth round and to be honest, looking back on it now, it doesn't matter one bit at all. Um, I mean, it was a great experience. You know, it was awesome. I, I didn't, I didn't end up going to the draft. I stayed back in Alaska, but I remember getting a call at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I know I had a few drinks the night before, and <laughs> you know, what was it wasn't feeling too hot, and getting a call from Boston that they drafted me. But it was all in all, obviously, very special to be drafted. But at the end of the day, I think. To make the NHL, you don't need to be drafted, or it doesn't matter what round you're in to uh, to really make it. I think that's, that's great a really advice. Good point, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really control. You bet on yourself and control what you can control, and things shake out how they how they will. You know, and certain guys exactly. get, you know, high high draft picks might get a couple extra opportunities because they've invested a little bit more, I guess. But ultimately, it's you know, if you outplay someone and you deserve it, you should be there. So. Yeah, it's exactly great. And like, you know, I have some friends, kids getting through, you know, getting towards the draft. And, you know, that's a, a really good message that I would like to, you know, to tell them that, you know, don't take it too seriously. Don't worry about it. You know, you, your play is going to dictate wherever you go, if you go at all. And yeah, you know, that's not the end of the road if you don't get drafted. No, it's, it's like, definitely not. I mean, you see so many examples now of guys that aren't drafted that are, that are superstars in the league, you know, and it really doesn't. It really doesn't dictate uh, if you're going to play or not. And I mean, you look at like, I mean, look at Brian Elliott is a backup for Tampa, and he was the last pick in our draft, the, the actual last pick. Mister so, Irrelevant. Mean, that, that, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't. Did he really get a car? At the end of the day. I think in the <laughs> NFL should've. draft, they get a car. He should have. I think Mighty yeah. Moore was Mister Irrelevant for the Patriots, and he got a vehicle. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy. I know it is. Uh, <laughs> well, I think uh, like to, to add to your point is the, you know, the stresses of it and you, you applied that pressure to yourself and then you're like expectations and all the first round, second round, and you get all worked up on it and your play can possibly suffer because of it. It's like, you know, you, you almost should be in the mindset of nowadays, you look at the, the college 
kids, right? Like the Tory Krugs and Kevin Hayes, Jimmy Vesey. I mean, there's tons and tons of guys that like they're praying to not get drafted, like to have that, you know, to go through their four years. And now it's, they get their pick of the litter where they want to go. So it's, it's almost like that. You know, you, you, like you said, you're almost better off, like go and take care of what you need to take care of. But there's, you know, there's so many success stories of guys that aren't even drafted. So I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. Like you put so much pressure on yourself and it's like, you're better off just relaxing and, and, you know, trusting that process. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, if you're good enough and you do all the right things and, you know, you have the right character, you know, the whole, all the attributes, you're going to make it. Um, that's what I try and tell most kids, you know, I, I think it's just, if you love a game, you work hard and you, at the end of the day, you're good enough, you'll make it, you know, that's, that's how it works. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you um, break into the, Pro ranks. Um, you played for Scott Gordon down in Providence, and had um, you had you went right in after your um, your final season with Seattle, correct? Yeah. Get a little bit of pro experience. I think that's invaluable because then you come back, you know some of the guys, you have a little bit of uh, pro experience under your belt. You see what it's all about. Uh, can you just talk to talk to us about that transition from junior to pro? that one, you know, kind of like little spot to gain that experience and then the, the following training camp? Yeah, it was a big transition for me, but it was also like a, it was kind of like a, you know, it was a kind of a deer in the headlights moment for me when I got to province during that, that full lockout season because there were so many guys that were in the NHL that were playing in the American League that year. and I didn't play in the first round. I came in, um, they were thinking we were playing low in the second round and – someone got hurt. I can't remember what happened or someone came out of the lineup and, uh, and Brett, Brennan Walsh actually tells a really good story about this. Cause while she was on a team, no, while she tell yeah. a story. I yeah, I know. Right. Crazy. Right. And I remember like, cause Rob Murray was the assistant coach and we're all kind of sitting there and there was like, who was going to, who was going to play. And uh, I can't remember. It was like, it was, it's an old school way of doing it, but basically he came in and like, erased the extras from the guys that like weren't going to be playing and the guys that were playing just kept the night. So he kept me up or put me on the fourth line or whatever. And while she tells a story, like this kid just got here and he's playing and I've been here all year. Like what's going on right now, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was wild because I remember my first game, there was like a, at the end of the game, there was a, a line brawl at the end. And this is, you know, just turn pro, but it was just such a great learning experience for me because it was like I went in playing on the fourth line, not playing very much, um, kind of had to figure out, all right, you know, I'm not a top six guy like I was in junior. I'm going to have to change a little bit and just run around and hit guys and do whatever I have to do to stay in the lineup. And it kind of transferred on to the next year, um, my first full year pro. Mm -hmm. And it helped me too because being able to be around the guys and, you know, just – doing what you do in the American League, you know, having fun away from the rink with the boys. And um, it really kind of helped me transition and make me feel more comfortable going into my, you know, first full year and um, kind of just learning, like, like I going to have to play a certain way to make it to the NHL. Like I'm not going to be a top six guy. I'm going to have to, you know, find the little things like face-offs, killing penalties, 
mixing in a fight every now and then. Um, those were the things I kind of like, all right, things are going to have to change for me that if, if I really want to have a long career doing this. No, Is that something that comes? Oh, sorry, Mots, go ahead. No, I just had one quick thing about, you know, kind of learning some of the skills that, can, that you used to this day. Do you remember a, um, a certain face-off that you had against Scott Gomez? That I do. He, I do uh, remember. Yeah, I do remember He's like, that. hey, this yeah. is – like, he goes, I, I stunk at face-offs. But, like, I, I was looking at this kid's setup, and I'm like, oh, my God. So he's like, all right, hey, Tom, or, you know, maybe uh, go to your strong side. You know, he's like, so we could beat him, you know, taking care of another Alaska guy. But yeah. I don't know, you can, you can tell the story, but, you know, Gomer likes to put salt and pepper on stories too, so. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's, he still tells that story to me all the time, bringing it up, like, as an example of uh, other kids trying to figure it out. But, yeah, I remember he was playing for the Rangers. I was playing for the Islanders. And it was at Nassau, so it was in Long Island. And I was actually on my offside um, – I was trying and he was on his strong side and I was like going to try and go to my forehand, which a lot of guys do now, but I think face-offs were a little different then. You could kind of, you know, muck it up a little bit more than you can now. And I remember like right before the face-off, he's like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey, turn your hand over. Don't go to your forehand. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm telling you, just get, get, get good at going on your offside on that, on, that, on your backhand, on your offside. It'll, it'll help you. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, go to my offside. He still ends up winning the draw. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm like, really? Like, did, did, did he just like do the old rope a dope on me or what, what, what just happened, you know? So, but it was, it was super helpful because I think, you know, now I, a lot, a lot of my face offs on my offside, especially in the D zone, I'm taking, I'm taking my backhand and, you know, it's been super helpful. And it was just that little pointer he gave me during, during an NHL game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great story. And I'm, I'm glad he, uh, I'm glad he said something at the time. Yeah. He's a no, great guy. Yeah. 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 He is. Absolute character. Was that, um, so you, you talked about that, you know, trying to figure out like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe more of a bottom six guy. Like, does that come at the, at the, you know, American league level? Does that come from the coaches or is that just kind of you figuring it out on your own? Or did you have, you know, that one coach at pro was like, Hey, listen, kid, if you want to play, you know, for 15, 20 years in this, in this league and beyond, like here's what you need to do. No, it, it was, it came from both Scott Gordon and Rob Murray and, Gordo was really good with me and the fact that he he was really hard on me my first full year. He really leaned on me because he didn't really have to the year before because I was just coming out of junior and I was just kind of like, you know, getting my feet wet. But the next year he kind of leaned on me a lot on the team and was, like I said, was really hard on me for most of the season. And um, But I remember him pulling me aside and said, hey, listen, like, do you want to be a top six guy down in the minors making this much money or do you want to be a third, fourth line guy in the NHL making a million bucks for a long right. time? And I was kind of like, well, that's kind of an easy decision, <laughs> isn't it? You know, and I'm yeah, funny how you NHL. put that. Yeah. I want to play in the NHL. And, and it was kind of a, it was a wake up call for me and realize how I had to play. And, and Rob Murray was a, you know, American league, you know, he was a face-off specialist. And so he helped me a lot with face-offs and it was just like, okay, get all these tools in your bag. Be good at face-off guy, be good at killing penalties and all these little things. And, 
you know, you know, sticking up for your teammates, all these things will bring value to your game. And, and it, uh, it definitely helped me in the long run for sure. Yeah. Those little uh, skill sets and, you know, for those coaches to kind of identify your number one, your passion to play, and then, you know, to, to be able to motivate you in a certain way, but then also kind of give you the, the kind of the tools or, or somewhat something to work on so that you can be inserted into an NHL lineup instead of letting you try to score and, you know, not play the game correctly. And then they call you up and you're out of place. So yeah, you know, to, for some guys, the role play, you know, play, you know, bottom six, so valuable killing penalties because you're reliable. Then when you get to that next level, you don't have to change your game and you just have to do it better. So that was really exactly. good for those guys to kind of identify that and, and really, you know, stress the importance of it because it, it is, and you've done it for, you know, 15 years. It's, you know, it's, it's been such a, a, a great, you know, thing to see uh, because your game does not have to change and you're such a valuable asset to a, you know, a lot of teams that you played on. So, you know, I, I really like to hear that because, you know, a lot of coaches don't get credit for kind of helping shape a player in the minors so they have uh, you know, long-term success in the NHL. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think it wasn't for Scott Gordon and Rob Murray, those guys, they were so influential on my career. And, and who knows what would have happened if I had different coaches or didn't have that guidance. You know, I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. But, I mean, I think you just look at, you look in the playoffs, you look at the teams that make it the furthest and you look at their bottom six guys and they're the difference makers. You know, some of the guys that are winning face-offs or the guys that are killing penalties, you know, they're maybe score a big goal, you know, here every now and then, you know, those are the guys that can really make a difference in, in winning and not winning. And so um, I think for kids to see that, whether they're transferring from, you know, junior to college, college to pro, when they see that these guys that are, you know, maybe they were studs when they were in the minor hockey, but they evolved their game into a guy that does all the little things well. Um, you know, you can still have a super long career doing that, you know, doing those things that maybe aren't uh, as, uh, as I guess, exciting as, you know, scoring a one-timer goal or one of those things, you know, but you'll still play a long time. <laughs> now you played, you know, you, roughly four years down in Providence. Like, was there... I guess, you know, two parts of the question, like, was, was there ever a point in time where you were like really frustrated and saying like, when am I going to get my shot? And then kind of, you know, when you do get that call up, you end up playing four games with Boston. Uh, like, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was, it was frustrating. For, for sure. There was times, I mean, I'm not going to lie where I was like, all right, you know, I played during the lockout season with these guys. Why can't can I get a sniff this year? And I didn't get called on my first full year and it was frustrating, but I think it was a good learning curve for, for me and a good learning experience realizing just stick with it. And like you said, got to, got to play in the four games, um, you know, my second year. And I mean, it was awesome to be able to play in the NHL. Um, but it was almost like good and bad. That kind of gave me like a taste of what it's like to play in the NHL. And I was like, okay, I want, I want more. Um, and my third season, which was to add, you know, to answer your question, it was weird because I thought like the old myth, they say, you know, Gordo gave me the C <clears throat> my third year in the minors and I'm still only like 22, 23 years old. And the myth of, you know, if you wear if you're a cat, if you're a captain <laughs> in the American league, you're never playing in the NHL again. So I was like, Oh no, 
I was a captain in the A. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man. So, and I had my best statistical year. We had the best team in the league that year in Providence. And I didn't get one call up that whole year, my last year in Providence. And it was really frustrating. But I think I kind of learned, like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, keep grinding. And who knows what could, you know, what could happen next year. And sure enough, next year I was playing in the NHL. So, um, yeah, it was uh, quite the ride, but a great learning experience for me, though, in the end. How about that first game? Like, were your parents able to come in town and stuff, or, or where was it? <laughs> it was uh, it was in Boston. Uh, we had practice in Providence, obviously, that morning, and coaches pulled me aside, both of them, and said, you know, you're called up. I guess the convenience of playing in Providence, you know, you're called up to play tonight. Um, so obviously drove to Boston and got a hotel. They got me a hotel room for the day. Obviously couldn't sleep at all. Uh, my, my parents could make it because obviously found day of and they're all exactly. in Alaska. So there's no way they're making it. So uh, I remember though, pulling up to the rink, I was there super early and I like go to get my gear, get out. You know, I had a, I had one of those white Chevy avalanches and I go to get my gear, you know, put on my shoulder and out walks Ray Bork. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, got my bag over my shoulder. And he just like pulls me aside. He's like, hey, have fun tonight, kid. Uh, good luck. Congratulations. And it was, I was just, and I ended up playing. I think I ended up, we played Buffalo. I think I played like two minutes and <laughs> we lost, we lost 6 2. And that was the year that like Bussin was, or uh, Buffalo was an absolute wagon. They were like loaded. Um, but yeah, it was all in all just, it was just a cool experience just to, you know, put a feather in my cap and say I played in the NHL. So Ray, Ray Bork's like, Hey, you got the best seat in the house tonight, kid. Just sit there and watch it. <laughs> Seriously. You <laughs> might as well said that to me at that time. <laughs> hey kid, you gotta, you're getting paid to watch that game tonight. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, pr- pretty yeah. cool stat here. 19 years ago today at the 2000. 2000- Three NHL entry draft in Nashville. Nate Thompson, 44, was drafted by in the sixth round, 183rd overall by the Boston Bruins. So you have a little anniversary today. Let me have a little yeah, anniversary. Look at that, Mons. Nine, Nineteen years. See that yeah. there was definitely there was definitely no fantasy football then, Mons. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, Not nineteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know yeah, if you no, like it's... you know broke out the newspapers hey, and, and made. I was going to say yeah. You're the papers. Yeah, it's just the papers. Oh, that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I got to ask, with all these different cities and things like that that you played in, like, what would what would be your favorite favorite city? Like, where where do you where do you enjoy the most? The best place to play? It's I get asked that question all the time, and it's hard because I I've been pretty lucky. I've played in some pretty great cities. I mean, playing in Tampa was awesome. Um. You know, living in Florida, you know, I got to experience that, which was great. And then obviously playing the California teams, I said the same thing. I mean, that's, if I don't play for the California teams, I'm probably not living here now. Uh, but, I mean, I, at the same time, I mean, to be able to play for a team like Montreal, playing an original six, um, you know, playing in a, you know, hockey hotbed, hockey mecca, like it's, that was, that was pretty cool. And Boston too. I mean, I, I always kind of, it's kind of bittersweet. I look back on it now because 
I wish I would have played longer with the Bruins or had more of a chance and played some more games because it was definitely a, a city that I loved and I loved playing there. Uh, you know, Philly was great too. I mean, I don't know. I've been I've been fortunate to play in some pretty cool hockey markets and some and at the same time some great places to live. So um, that's a tough one. I mean, I probably Montreal, Tampa. <laughs> There's a yeah, lot, like, maybe top three. There's a few. It's hard. I can't. I can't narrow down one. It's too hard. Yeah, each, each spot has a special memory. Did it, you um, exactly? We had Keith came on and kind of hung out with us a couple of weeks ago, but we he was talking about this dot league that they had started. Did you uh, indulge in any of that stuff that they they had going this year? So I caught. So obviously, I, I got I had shoulder surgery this year, so I rehabbed oh, that. I rehabbed back in California for like three months and then I went back to Philly. And when I got back to Philly, Keith and like Kevin and like Kevin Connaughton, they were like talking about their darts one morning. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, dude, like they're like, man. You guys like, smoking lung darts? Or like, I'm like, what what kind of darts are you guys like? Are you guys smoking, you know? Yeah, camels of the night. Wow. What, 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 yeah, camel crushes, or what, what do you guys got going on? And uh, they were talking about how they're playing darts, and Kevin Connaughton had his own little like portable dart setup, but he brought on the road, so they're playing like darts in the room. So I just caught the very end, like tail end of it, and I never got, I never got involved like they were, but they were like super into it. They all got their going custom darts, and it was just like. I guess I don't know if that's a good sign though, because our team was so bad this year that the boys were more into the darts than, than anything else. You know? <laughs> like that's literally all the boys were talking about was darts at the rink, which is probably yeah. not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're out of it early. Oh yeah, out of it real early. <laughs> that, that could have been some good rehab for the shoulder, though. You know, get that rotator cuff going. It could have been for sure. Yeah, I just never got, uh, never, never got involved like the rest of the fellows did. I guess I was just a little too late. That's hilarious. That's funny. So, as far um, as the Stanley Cup Finals going, uh, your buddy Steven Stamkos and his group had a nice little pushback uh, in Game Three. Can you talk to us about him as a leader and as a friend? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I, He's just, uh, I don't have anything but good things to say about Stammer. I mean, I played with him when he was, when he was just 20, 21 years old. And he scored, I think, what would have been his second year in the league. He scored 51 goals. And he was just, <clears throat> at that time, like just straight, just pure goal scorer. Like everything he touched was going in the net. And I wouldn't say Stammer was a one-dimensional player, player then, but he definitely is not the player he is now what he was then. You know I mean? I think I, you could see in the five years I play with him, you know, the maturity and Stanford was always a mature guy, even at a young age, but, you know, having Marty and Vinny and those guys kind of like, you know, he was under their wing. I think it really helped him. And man, you look at him now and he's just a guy that does it all. Like he's winning face-offs, he's blocking shots. Like he's, big hits like he's doing everything and even he's first ballot hall of famer like he's just like it's so much fun to watch for me after playing with him just seeing how much his game has evolved and how great a leader he is i mean i i mean i, I think he's one of the best captains in the league for sure um so it's just fun i mean for me it's just kind of like now i'm kind of like a fan watching this you know just watching him go out there and do his thing so it's 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 been a lot of fun to see
yeah, no, he uh, the the playoff that he's had, and uh, he's really like it's it's hard to say like revitalized, right? But like the the impact that he's had on these, you know, the, obviously the Stanley Cup last year, but then now this year, it's like he really, you know, Kucherov's incredible in their team and Hedman and everything. He almost like gets overlooked a little bit, but he does, you know, so so much. He's just it, it's been really fun to watch as a fan. I agree. Yeah, I mean, he had over a hundred points this season and no one really ever really talks yeah. about it, you know. And it's crazy. And then not only that, but like he Stammer went through so many like tough injuries where they were like they were like bad luck injuries. And yeah, you know, he's kind of overcome so much, you know, so much adversity in like the last, you know, five years with that. And just see where he's at now. I mean, this is the best I've ever seen him play. So it's 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 awesome to see. What was That's it like awesome. playing for John Cooper? Coop was good. I mean, I, I had Coop for um, part of that lockout season, the short lockout season in the next year. But Coop is uh, – he's definitely one of those guys, guys, you know, like just kind of one of the boys. Um, and he's, uh, he's a good talker. Like the guy, you know, he's definitely for sure got that lawyer background because he gets in the room <laughs> and gets he gets in the locker room and he can talk. And he's a, he's a good motivator. He knows how to, you know, I, I think he just, he has such a good feel for the room always. And you see it now with this team that he's coaching. Obviously he's been coaching a long time. He, he, they just, they seem to respond at the right times. They seem to like, their timing is just like impeccable with everything in the game and after a game. And um, I think it's a huge testament to Coop because he just, he knows how to push buttons at the right time. And he knows how to relate to the guys and, and um I mean, he's, he's a great coach, one of the best coaches in the league for sure. Yeah. No, he's uh, done an unbelievable job, that's for sure. We do have yeah. our uh, My Hockey Rankings question of the week. So what was your favorite NHL player to watch when you were growing up? Or who was, I should say? Steve Eiserman, hands down. Yeah, Stevie Y. Stevie Y was my guy, yeah. That was uh, – he was my favorite player for sure. I mean, I think just – That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, he was he was great. I mean, captain of the Wings. I was, I was a huge Wings fan growing up, so, yeah, Steve Y. There it is. Short answer. That was I quick. Love, I love it. You know, during that one lockout there, um, you were able to go home and play with some of the boys, yeah. the Alaska Aces. How was that? Uh, and, and could you talk to us a little bit about that? Going back to the East Coast League, but you're still able to play and then play at home. Yeah, it was great. It was – like I said, like kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. I went home just to actually just skate in their camp because I just wanted to get some ice and I was going home to do some fall fishing, which I had never got to do. So uh ended up bringing my gear. I'm like, you know what? I'll skate with the, the aces, you know, get some ice, just kind of stay ready. And, and Rob Murray, who is my assistant coach in Providence, was the head coach of the aces. And uh, myself, Joey Crab, uh, we're the only ones that did camp. Gomer was like our power play coach um, <laughs> for the aces. And I remember like in camp, like there was one drill where like Crabber like reverse hit me or something like that and kind of got me up high. And so I cross-checked him. Next thing you know, Crabber and I are dropping the gloves and we're like holding each other like this. And I remember like, so close to hitting him and he was just on his fishing trip and we were just talking about this recently and i was like i was like i want to hit him and i remember like kind of thinking about it like what am i doing i can't hit crabber like we 
grew up together like we're buddies and like the whole all the players are watching this like these guys are nuts and of course rob murray's like loving it yeah and so i think it was like after that it was like all right i'm gonna do this i'm gonna play play at home play for the aces and try it out um it was awesome for my parents because they were able just to you know, hop in their car and drive to the game and being able to play and in your hometown i'm sure gomer's told you about it you know it's it was pretty special and it, did, it didn't take long for gomer to uh see how much fun we were having but i think about after 10 games as a power play coach he uh he threw the skates on and he was on the team after that <laughs> that's so great was dubinsky yeah, on that team as well yeah dubinsky was on that team too the uh, doobie came i think right at the end of camp or something like that and he joined yeah. on but yeah, Gomer took a little bit longer. He said he was. Uh, he he said, oh, "I've already done it. I've already been there. I've been there. Did that." That's even how he talks. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sure." And I think there was one game where they put me, Crowder, and Doobie together, and we had a pretty good night. And I remember him watching, and he was like, "Man, that looked like it was fun." He's like, "So he stopped coaching and came down and played with us for the rest of the year." So it was fun. That's so great. Yeah, Just, uh, awesome. something a little more off topic, but. Uh, can you talk to us about J.J. Johnson's best man speech? J.J. Johnson's best man speech. Oh man, is this does this is this from Gomer? <laughs> yeah. It's got it's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. He, he said Teddy Purcell saved the day, though. Yeah, it was. This was my my second wedding. I'm I'm over two. Uh, but I'll tell the story. Tell the story. Um, yeah, J.J. went up there and. And like Teddy said, you know, after he's like, he's like, JJ, this is a wedding, not a funeral, man. Uh, and just, and just kind of, just kind of roasted him after, you know, he was all like, he was all heartfelt and emotional and all this. And Teddy went up there and just like brought the crowd back. But I was, uh, it was nice, JJ, but it was it was kind of a tough one, though. Yeah, <laughs> and Gomer was all over him the rest oh, of the yeah. time. Well, he, he was all over him when he was telling me about it. You know, oh, the details. all over him. Like, oh, God, I just want to throw it out there. And see what that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I figured that came from him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, you talked, uh, you know, about like early influences and things like that. You know, now being a veteran, like, do you really? enjoy kind of like working with the young guys and teaching them how to be pros. And, you know, I guess obviously you've, you've been in the league for a long time, but is something like eventually when, when it does time to retire is like, is coaching in your future. Is that something that you might be interested in doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I do enjoy helping out the young guys. I, I really do like help guys like, you know, away from the rink or, you know, on the ice and giving them pointers here and there. Cause I remember older guys doing it for me. So, and it helped me out a lot. And so it's, it's, it's fun for me to be able to help the young guys out and see, you know, see them use it and see them kind of grow and develop. So um, as far as coaching after hockey, I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I know for sure I want to stay in the game and I want to do something cause I just, I, I don't know anything different. I love the game so much. I don't think I could do anything different. Um, I mean, it's coaching is definitely always an option. I think at some point uh, right now, I don't, I, I don't know if that's my first option yet, but it's definitely an option. So I guess we'll see. That's great. Yeah. It's invaluable to have veteran presence, you know, kind of steering the younger players, you know, you are, yeah. you know, a leader <clears throat> and the coaches kind of do everything. And, you know, I've had some really good influences. So that was a good question by Brian. Like there's, there's a lot of, 
value if you take on that responsibility. And then, you know, you can see these guys play for a long time after you're done. And that makes you really proud. And, um, you know, you're doing a good job uh, from what I can see as well. And I know K- uh, KY is talking about that uh, with Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, I think um, I, I think the, the, it helps the team too, right? Like you're helping a young guy out, you're helping um, you're helping a kid, you know, kind of figure it out and kind of find his way. I think it's only going to make the team better. Um, and it's just, you guys know, you guys been there, you guys done it. You know, it's all about being a good teammate. You know, if you're helping another guy out, it's making the team better. At the end of the day, that's what you want. And I think, you know, seeing kids, you know, kids that I played with that are kind of just developed, you know, like a, even like a kid, like when I was in Montreal, his, his first year, he was on my line for a little bit, which I always give him a hard time so that I carried him, but that was definitely not the case. It was uh, Nick Suzuki. You know, you look at him now and it's like, kid's a stud, you know, he's going to be yeah, stud. Probably, probably winning Selkies at some point, you know? So, um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see that. It's fun to see, you know, the, the younger guys who play with develop and turn into the players and, and the people they, you know, they end up being. So um, it's definitely been a cool experience for me as, as I've gotten older. No, that's awesome. That's great stuff. Well, Nate, I think we've, uh, we've taken enough of your time. We really appreciate you coming on. I think there's just been some, you know, some great lessons um, that, that, you know, our listeners can really draw from. So much, you got anything else or I think we can let them go here. Yeah, we get the the game starting here soon, but want to uh, thank you so much for coming on, taking out some of your time here, and kind of sharing your stories and a lot of great stuff there for our listeners to uh, kind of digest and t- take on themselves. So, really appreciate it, Tama. No problem, boys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, tell Keith I say hello, please, when you see him. I'm sure I'll <laughs> talk to him at some point. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that was awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. I, I always I always enjoy doing stuff like this. So thanks for having me. Good no stuff. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem. No, no problem, boys. See ya. All right. That interview with Nate Thompson was brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey, the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Summer is officially underway, so, so head over to franklinsports.com to stock up on all your outdoor hockey equipment. That interview was also brought to you by TSR. The TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team in the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best. Visit tsrhockey.com. Yeah, once again, thanks to uh, Nate Thompson for jumping on. Obviously, unbelievable career and a guy that just figured out being a great teammate, a leader. And, you know, there's a reason why he's been around and, and you know, played on so many good teams over the, you know, the, the last 15 season, right? Yeah, he's a super guy, and some of those messages that he had were just, you know, what he lived. You know, people can apply uh, to what their their kids' situation, or if kids are listening, you know, from putting it, you know, that 110% effort in. You know, the parents are had a nice little message there uh, about, you know, we won't pay for it if you don't give it your all. And then I really like the draft. Not overthinking it, not taking it too seriously, and uh, that's that's a really important thing because his play did dip. He said because of kind of overthinking it and something that he can't control. He was the thing he could control was his play, was being affected by his kind of like distraction of where he was getting slotted. So really good stuff. Yeah, squeezing squeezing the stick a little too tight, right? Yep, yep, and uh, 
you know, just another good Alaskan guy and just a great dude. Ever since I've, uh, I met him when, when he was in Boston here, um, we did the summer skates and stuff. Uh, it was really just respectful, worked hard, did his thing. He was tough to play against. Um, played against him a bunch when he was on the island and just a really, really valuable part of our team. I'm, I'm really glad that he was able to come on and share some of those stories and, you know, his role, he's, he's really mastered the basics and then he just refined them at the NHL level. And that was like one of the biggest takeaways there and allowing the, the, the coaches to identify that and, and allow someone to play to the, his strengths and the importance of it on, on a lot of teams, not just the NHL level. So pretty cool stuff. Brilliant in the basics, Mots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just like you, buddy. Yeah. Just like you. I'm basic, is right. <laughs> I don't know about brilliant, but yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about the street hockey, right? Yeah. Um, we wrap up there. Yeah, we just uh, you know found out my daughter Brooke. Um, she's got shout out an all girls team. She gathered a bunch of the gals, and um, they're officially signed in and gunning to win it all. You know, those the girls are going to be taking it serious, and they also, uh, you know, some of the girls went and won the U twelve uh, Town Cup for Duxbury. So, pretty cool stuff. You know, they uh, they played great. I thought Brooke really actually had some really good games. She was on her toes. She actually broke her stick one game. She was like going in and you know, just jammed. So then she had to s- switch with someone on the fly during the game, you know, and then uh, we ended up getting her another one, but she was pumped that she broke her first stick. And, uh, but, you know, a champion. And then Ryan's U18, Duxbury team, won the Town Cup as well. So I guess we just breed champions here in this house. I don't know. I guess so. I guess Take so. Wow. Home. I was going to say definitely not after dad. No. Uh, uh, so no, that's awesome. Shout out love. to both the, both the Town Cup teams. The Luxbury showing up, huh? Yeah, it was kind of neat because they were back-to-back, too. So um, we were able to get in, get there and catch both games. And congrats to those guys that put in a little work in. And it's a really cool tournament. So they um, Big parade coming up for July 4th. They're going to they're gonna get the duck boats ready? Yeah, they might, might get on the float, you know. Do yeah. Little, throw some candy. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Um, well, other than that, Mots, do you got anything? Again, if you're interested in sponsoring uh, the ringshrinks.com, make sure you guys hit us up uh, August 6th and 7th, Kingston, Mass. Uh, that's where the, the attorney is going to be getting played. You know, like Brooke's team. Brooke's, hey, Brooke is looking for some competition. She doesn't want to have to just coast into another easy comp- uh, championship. You know what I mean? She wants to be challenged. So make sure uh, we get some, some, you know, get your teams together, rally the troops, and get signed up for the uh, Ring Shrink Street Hockey Festival. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, and sponsorship um, opportunities that are filling up. Uh, we have a few division sponsor uh, spot, uh, spots open, so get your uh, company name out there, and uh, we can give you that information if you DM us. And uh, we will DM us. Hit us up on the DM. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I think it's time we uh, cue the Ring Shrink Shuffle. Good show. And uh, we'll see you next week.
I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.